The following is a continuation in our Covenant Theology series. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. All right, so we are continuing to look at the promises of God in the Old Testament. So tonight, we're going to look at the promise that God made with Abraham in chapter 12 and chapter 15 of Genesis. Before we do that, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can come together and we can open your scriptures and we can see the ways that you have been faithful to your people throughout redemptive history, no matter how unfaithful they may be to you. Lord, you are a promise-keeping God and we thank you that you are a promise-keeping God. And we pray that we would appreciate your love and your kindness to us even more because we spent time in your word this evening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So about two years ago, my wife and I started a process that we've never done before. We built a house, not like I didn't go physically build it, but we started the process of having a house built for us. We've never done that before. We've owned a house, but we've never actually like seen the whole project come together. We've never had a brand new house. And one of the cool things about the process of building a house is you kind of get to see it go from this ugly patch of grass to eventually getting leveled into some dirt, to seeing a foundation poured, to seeing the frame of the house go up. You see the pipes and the electricity go in. Eventually the drywalls go up and the cabinets go in and all the fixtures, all the appliances. And I got to see that because I got to drive by a couple times a week and get to see the progress. And it was really cool. And I can actually walk inside and I can see where things were in the process. However, that house was not mine yet. I had to wait for it. In fact, we had to wait a long time because there were some setbacks. If you all remember a couple years ago before we left for our summer trip, our closing date got pushed back two days before we left for Colorado. And they were wanting to do it next the next week. I was like on the phone with the title company. Being like, I'm going to be gone. I need to close on this house right now. We got it done. But I, I didn't own that house until I signed on the dotted line and closed on that house. There was a waiting period. Again, throughout the process, I got to see how this house was built. I got to see all the wonderful parts of it. I got to see some of the mistakes that they made that they had to fix. But I got to see the whole process. But it wasn't mine until after that waiting period. And now the house is mine. And I love my house. I love where we live. The reason I share that with you is because this is quite reminiscent of what Abraham had to do. So we've been talking about the covenants. We've been talking about the promises of God. God makes this promise to Abraham. At this point in Abram's life, he is known as Abram. If I say Abraham or if I say Abram, just know I'm talking about the same person. The name changes in chapter 17, which we're not going to touch on tonight. But in the life of Abram, God makes a promise to him, and he has to wait on that promise. In fact, he has to wait on this promise for a very, very long time. In fact, the fullest extent of this promise coming to fruition, he's actually never going to see. This is a promise that's to him, but those that get to be the beneficiaries of it come much, much later. So this is a story of waiting, but it's a story of how God is faithful. Abraham and his family, they get glimpses of what this promised land is going to look like. In fact, he actually gets to visit it on the front end, but the promise isn't going to come until about 400 years after the initial promise. And he's in this waiting period until his people get to go there. So tonight, this is what I would like us to consider. God had a promised land for Abraham and his people, and he has a promised land for you and me in heaven. God had a promised land for Abraham and his people, and he has a promised land for you and me in heaven. So we're going to ask the same two questions that we've been asking all semester. What is this covenant, and what does it mean for us? So let's ask, what is this covenant? I'm going to invite Luke up to read chapter 12, verse 1 to 9. Genesis 12 and verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred 
from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land at, to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the again. So since the covenant that we looked at last week, since the covenant that was made with Noah, this promise that the Lord would never punish the earth in the same way that he did with the flood, there's quite a bit that has happened, so I'm going to recap this just a little bit so we can kind of see the context in which this covenant comes into play. In chapter 9, we have an account where Noah finds himself in a very embarrassing situation. He grows some wine plants, he grows a vineyard, and he enjoys the fruits of this vineyard a little bit too much one day, and he finds himself lying naked, exposed. And one of his sons, Ham, gossips about this. He goes to his other brothers and says, you will not believe what has happened to our father. He's embarrassed himself. He's lying there naked. He's seeking to make fun of the situation while the other two brothers want to honor their father. And what they do, and you can go back and read this, they take a sheet and they slowly back up together so that they don't actually see their father's nakedness. They don't want to see him in his shame. And God is going to honor that through the descendants that we're going to see when we get to Abraham. Ham, his descendants are going to be cursed. While the other two brothers, their descendants are going to be honored. Verse 24 to 27 in chapter 9. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall be to his brothers. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So we see this separation of the sons of Noah. And by the time we get to chapter 10, there's all these different people groups growing and multiplying. And then we get to the Tower of Babel, where mankind thought way too much of themselves. In chapter 10, verse 4, they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. And they think, we can build this wonderful thing and build it up to the sky. We can be just like God. And God shuts that down. And he disperses the people. He confuses their language and sends them all over the earth. And among the groups that were scattered, and these are the descendants of Ham, the son that embarrassed his father, were the people of Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. And of these descendants would come what we would call the Canaanites, the people that God told to go and to wipe them out and take this land. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all of which were inhabiting this particular place where God was going to be sending his people. So in our chapter, in verse 7, it says, To you and your offspring I will give this land. And what we see here is that both Noah and Abraham, despite their faults, despite their mistakes, and honestly a testament to the unconditional love of God, are actually serving as faithful representatives of the righteous seed that was promised back in Genesis 3.15. Both Abraham and Noah actually serve as small pictures of what this looks like, this faithful, faithful people. And in Abraham, he's told to go 
and live in this land. He's called to give up everything that he has. In fact, he's very wealthy. He's called to give it all up. He has to give up his country that he was a citizen of, that he'd grown accustomed to. He had to give up his extended family that lived in this area. He had to give up his household. Eventually, when we get to chapter 17, he's going to give up his name and change it to something else. But what was to follow was actually the key to this whole passage. There would be a blessing, not just to him, but to the whole world, extended through God's people. What God is doing here, he's taking his covenantal promises. We've been talking about this throughout this whole semester so far. His covenantal promises of redemption, and he's identifying with a specific community of people to show them what these promises would be like. One writer says he's establishing the groundwork for his broader redemptive program. So there's this process. So I'm going to recap everything that we've talked about up to this point in the semester. We see the process of covenant theology playing out here. So before creation, God made a plan to save his people. He knew that the fall was going to happen. He has a plan. The Father, Son, Holy Ghost were all together on this. They were all in full agreement. They were all in full agreement that we are going to create this world. These people are not going to listen to us. We're still going to love them. Okay, so that's the covenant of redemption that happened before the fall. God made Adam and Eve, and what did they do? He said, don't eat of the tree of good and evil. And what did they do? They did the exact thing that he told them not to do. So in the covenant of works, God gives us a means in which to live in right relationship with him. And because we are broken, sinful people, we broke that. We would have broken it too. But God is going to send somebody who's going to live perfectly in that covenant of works. Right after the fall, we see the covenant of grace. When God shows his mercy and his promises to Adam and Eve, he provides a covering for them to cover their shame. And he also provides what we just talked about, that snake crusher, the one who's going to crush the head of the serpent. And after the flood, God unveils this picture of what grace is going to look like. He says, never again will I ultimately pour out my wrath upon you. I'm going to show you mercy. And that's just, again, a glimpse of what he does for us in Christ. So we get to this covenant, the covenant with Abraham. He's building on all these promises, building on this great promise of a Messiah. And his people are going to go forth and be a beacon of light to the whole world to share this good news. And that's what this covenant is about. God is building it through this man, Abraham, and his family, and it's going to go forth to the world. You and I get to call ourselves sons and daughters of God because of this covenant. You and I, Gentiles, I don't think anybody here is Jewish, right? No Jews here? We're all Gentiles. We're part of this family now because Abraham was sent forth to do this. God is building it through this man, Abraham, and his family. And the beautiful thing is that despite Abraham's faults, he's going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. He's going to have doubts. He's promised a son, and he's going to be very, very old by the time this comes about. But overall, God is going to remain faithful to him, and he's going to help Abraham remain faithful. So, let's get to Genesis 15, where God is going to reiterate these promises. And I'm going to invite Caleb up to read that. So we're going to read 15, 1 to 11. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars. And if you are able to number them, then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And he believed in the Lord, and, it, he, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur from the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, and a female goat three years old, and a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. 
And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So even though he wrestled with God and he doubted God at times, God was, again, faithful to him. He held fast to him because of his relationship that he established with him through this covenant. And we get to this inner angst with Abram where he is hearing God say these things. And he's like, Lord, you haven't given me an heir yet. You promised this thing. And what does God say? He says, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. And Abraham's like, well, if that's the case, why haven't you done it yet? He's feeling the tension of this promise. He's getting old. His wife's getting old. You know, the childbearing years are, you know, they're not in their prime anymore. But God is saying, I'm still here. I'm still your God. I haven't forgotten my promises to you. Hold on. And notice that he doesn't just put Abram in his place. Like, God is very kind to Abram here. In fact, he just shows him a picture instead. Instead of harping on him and saying, why don't you just believe me? Why don't you just trust in me more? He gives him a picture. And what does he do? He has him go outside and he has him look up at the stars. And he says, if you could count the numbers of these stars, this will be like your descendants. However many stars there are in the sky, this will be the number of your, your peoples. Now, it's impossible to count all the stars in the sky. But what's the point of that illustration? No. Yeah, it's going to be a lot and God is going to do an amazing thing, right? It's an impossible task for the human eye. And he's saying, look, Look at how big this is going to be. I'm going to do a great thing for you. He's drawing this picture to give him a relatively tangible picture of what that's going to look like. God uses this example to Abraham that this promise is going to be just like that. So shall your offspring be, as he says in verse 5. So what does this covenant mean for us? It's fine that we read this in the Old Testament. We see that this promise is made to this guy, Abraham. And sometimes it's hard for us to connect those dots here. But I want you to see something really cool that happens in this passage. And as Caleb was reading it, you probably caught on that there are some animals that are cut in half here. This is a pretty common practice for those that were making a covenant with each other. So in ancient Near East history, if you were going to make some sort of covenant or contract with somebody, animals would be sacrificed. There would be two parallel lines that would be lined with the animals' dead bodies. One half here, one half there. And the two parties of these covenants, and this is a bit gruesome, but there's a point to it. The parties would walk in between the carcasses of the dead animals. And the point of that illustration is to say, if I break this covenant with you, let this be like me. Like, let me be torn to shreds if I break this covenant with you. So these were actually taken very, very seriously. We don't take promises that seriously nowadays, right? We promise to do stuff all the time. If we had to do that every time we made a promise, I guarantee we would stop making promises to people. But that's the picture that's going on here. He calls them to kill these animals, line them up. But notice what happens next. This is this is actually really cool and really fascinating. Okay. He has them line up the animals. They were cut in half. Whoever violates this covenant, they'll be like these animals. And then we get to verses 12 to 16. And who did I have? David, come on up and uh, read that for us. And as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in an old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kazanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Rephim. 
the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So what is happening here is, again, super interesting. God's giving him this picture of what he's doing. He's essentially telling everyone, I know that I've made this promise to you, and I'm making this promise to you, and I'm going to keep it. But the fullest extent of how this is going to play out, you're not going to see that. In fact, you're going to die, and your descendants are going to experience this. In fact, it's going to be about 400 years later that they're going to experience this promised land. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And then he says, and they shall come back in the fourth generation. And the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So they're going to inherit this promise. Abraham is going to die. What he's saying is in this very spot that you're standing, Abraham, this very spot, he made an altar in the spot to commemorate this covenant. He's saying on this very ground, I'm going to bring your people here. And I'm going to show them this land. I'm going to give this land to them. And he says the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. This could be like a throwaway verse for us. But what he's saying here is that I'm not going to forget all the sins that have been committed against you and your people. I'm going to remember those things. And those sins are going to be paid for. Those sins are going to be punished. And this is important for us because oftentimes we can forget just how good God's promises are. Like It's so easy for us to get wrapped up in the cares of the world where we forget what God is doing in the big picture of his story. This is why we need so many reminders. This is why... Between Genesis 12 and 17, God has to remind Abraham of this promise three times. We forget so easily of God's promises, but we are beneficiaries of this promise. We get to receive the benefits, the blessings of this promise. So as we close, I want to ask, have you ever had to wait a really, really long time for something, but once you received it, the joy was just so much sweeter because of that time period where you had to wait? Maybe it was a specific gift. Maybe you were promised to go on a trip and you had to wait some time in order to go on that trip. Maybe it's some sort of experience that you got to partake in. Going back to the opening illustration of, of the house, I had to wait for that house, and now I get to experience the blessings of living in that house. Oftentimes we have to wait for things that are good for us. And God is saying that we are waiting in this time period now here on this earth until we get to be with him for eternity. And because we're waiting now and we're experiencing the pains and sorrows of this earth, when we get to heaven, that eternal rest, that eternal promised land, the joy is going to be so much sweeter. It's going to be so much more amazing. God tells Abraham that his descendants will experience this place of rest. And the best part is, is that he's the one that's going to make that happen, not Abraham. So as we close, I want to read 17 to 21 one more time. It says, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, God made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt the great river, the river of the Euphrates, and all the ites. Well, I'm not going to read those again, but all the people. And what is happening here? Under normal circumstances, who would pass between those dead carcasses? Both parties. Under normal circumstances, God and Abraham would walk through the carcasses, but who does? Does Abraham? No. The smoking pot and the fiery torch pass through. And this is kind of a picture of God's presence. And notice that Abraham is asleep when this is happening. He has nothing to do with this covenant, which means who bears the full weight of this covenant? God does. It's not on Abraham. It's not on his faithfulness. It's God's faithfulness. Abraham does not have to pass through. So for him, this covenant, this responsibility, yes, he is to be faithful. And in many, many ways, he is going to be faithful. But the full weight of it rests on God himself. One writer says, Abraham is required to be a loyal covenant keeper. But God, by going through the pieces alone, is ensuring that Abraham will be compliant yeah, the fact that the smoke and fire pass through is such an encouragement to you and I because it means that our salvation does not depend on us. It depends on the faithfulness of our God who loves us, who entered into relationship with us, entered into relationship with Abram. 
And if you think about this, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he was walking into a sacrifice, literally walking into sacrifice himself. Okay? He walks through on his own to the cross. Okay? We didn't have to do that with him. He takes those sins, he takes the punishment, the full weight of that covenant is on him and on him alone. And we get to experience the blessings of that. We get forgiveness of sins because Jesus fulfills this covenant. It was his promises to love us and to make us his own. And what do we get from that? We get to go into this promised land. We get to go into eternity. We get to go into heaven. So God made a promise to Abraham and his people, and God also makes a promise to us to let us join him for eternity. So I'm going to pray for us, and we'll go into small groups. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for this good word. We ask that you would bless it as we unpack it a little bit more. I ask that you be with these students and leaders and help us to all benefit and be so joyful and thankful for your promises and how faithful you are to us. In the in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WIM.